You're listening to Why Try, the podcast. I'm your host, Nicholas Peel, and each week you'll hear from artists, entrepreneurs, and others who have found that betting on themselves has made all the difference. One of my favorite things about doing this podcast is that I get to spend a lot of time with a group of wonderfully optimistic, creative, and proactive people. Bailey epitomizes these traits, and it's really fun to see people like her succeed. In true entrepreneurial fashion, Bailey has learned and figured out a lot since starting, and I'm excited to see where she takes her business going forward. That business is so simple, shave ice. I hope you'll enjoy our conversation. So my business is so simple, shave ice. It's a food cart in Portland. I had been working for an ice cream company that um, I had been doing events for for a couple of years. Um, I was really intrigued by that. I liked um, going to different events, going different places, and setting up for work every day. And took a little initiative with that, took something of a leadership role and ended up coordinating where their ice cream cart was going around the city. And a couple years later, I was really ready to move on. I just didn't know to what. And I started playing with some rhubarb, making rhubarb syrup. And I made sodas with it. And I was like, oh my God, this is like really good. And what else would this be good on? It, I'm like, oh, this would be good over pancakes, or you could throw it into a cocktail, or, oh my gosh. And it was probably July, and it was really hot, like this summer, and I, all I could think about was cooling down. I was like, oh my gosh, shave ice. Sounds so good right now. <laughs> um, but there is no shave ice to, there was, well, there was no spe- shave ice to speak of in Portland, I was like, oh, that's a good idea. Like, that's like, I could do, I could totally see that and doing it in the style of working with local farms and doing local flavors and really fresh stuff from scratch. Why not? Like, that'd be cool. And then about a year before that, I had been hit by a car on my bike. And around that time, I had received a really small settlement and I kind of had a moment. I was like, okay, I can either go take a trip and do some traveling because I really wanted to do that or I could start a business and take a chance on something that may pay off a little bit more down the road than even travel experience could because I have all this energy and I'm only 26 so (laughs) why not yeah couldn't talk myself out of it was there anything about like your previous experience that fed into this particularly well yes uh absolutely was definitely learning that you could take and this is definitely a trend of Portland certainly is the hyper focus onto one thing and making it as many ways as possible say donuts or ice cream or sandwiches or a cheeseburger whatever but taking one thing and making it not only your own but as creative as you can and there seemed to be a niche that was not being filled in Portland and that was shave ice and I really wanted to incorporate what I loved about my previous position working for the shave for the ice cream company which was working with other artisans of food who really had a passion for where their food comes from and also getting to know small local farmers um, and getting to know, yeah, a little more about where my food comes from and just kind of shortening that consumer chain a little bit. My degree is in apparel design, textiles and merchandising. So I learned a lot there about concept to consumer and the production um, chain and all of that. So 
a little bit of retail, a little bit of um, merchandising, and a little bit of um, ice cream kind of led into So Simple and doing shave ice. How much research into the concept did you do before you started? Actually, quite a bit. What did that look like? Uh, So... I, I want to say it had a lot to do with going, um, I want to say I went to Hawaii and tried all, everything best that I could, but I could not do that. Um, <laughs> I'd hope to someday, but it was a lot of internet research and a little bit of previous experience. I had been to Hawaii before and had had shave ice properly, the the type that is shaved with a single blade and a sh- off of a single block in the Japanese kakigori style. And it's, the texture is like cotton candy and it melts in your mouth on like a snow cone, which is often very crunchy. Between that, I did a lot of research just doing that first and doing syrup recipes. And then I mentioned it to my dad. And my dad's a commercial real estate broker, so I didn't think anything of it at the time. And he kind of did that dad thing. He's like, oh yeah, oh yeah, I've, I've heard of that. Um, I just did a deal with a guy who has a shave ice stand in here in Vancouver and I'm like are you serious like 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 what kind of shave ice and he's like oh no it's like shave ice like the Hawaii it's tropical snow it's uh he's like yeah all the colors and all that yeah you should go you should go talk to him I'm like okay like well if that's okay I will go talk to him so I went and did and I talked to him um name is Brian of Tropical Snow and his mom Claudia they were absolutely gracious and um, I got to meet them at their cart in Vancouver which has a totally just different set of rules anyway from Portland but still I wanted to learn about shave ice and he uh, showed me how and how he makes his own ice why it's important to go slowly with it why it's important to temper it how to get the proper consistency, what you're looking for, how to pour it. And I shared with him what I was doing. I brought a little of my syrup with me and I was like, this is what I'm going for. And he's like, whoa, that's that's different. Like, <laughs> That's cool. And he's the one that told me about the machine that I use, which is the Swan machine. And it's something of a workhorse but it it makes the best and it was worth the investment and he let me know that and it absolutely has been wonderful advice since yeah so kind of like my confession is i've never had shaved ice um i was talking to a friend who's like really enthusiastic about shave ice Mm -hmm. and i was like so what's the difference it's like a snow cone he's like no 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 no. you can't even compare the two they're not that are not all the same like you're such an idiot i was like how are they different like they're both ice but apparently, there really is a difference, and it is way better than a snow cone. Oh, it's so much better. It's, um, you, you can't, it's, it's, it's not even, um, it's apples and orange juice. Like, I, that's like, the, that's the difference. It's, um, but yeah, no, there's a, there's a cultural following to it because it's, it, um, it's very close to people's hearts in, in Hawaii. And if you come from anywhere that is hot, you probably have a version of it, whether it's Halo Halo or Kakigori or I can't even um, remember the other ones. There's probably, I think I found like 21 different types of shave ice around the world. Um, and you know, they have everything from cereal on top to ice cream in, in the bottom or red bean in the bottom. And yeah, so everybody who knows Shave, they're like, oh yeah, 
if I know shave ice, I know shave ice. Um, we like to, at the cart, we like to say we've been, we've been Hawaiian approved many times. Um, <laughs> for people from the, from the island, um, who are like, oh yeah, this is, this is what I remember and I missed this. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's completely different. A snow cone, um, grinds up, it's multiple little ice cubes with multiple blades. So it crushes it as opposed to shaves it. Um, and it's, yeah, the texture comes off absolutely just, yeah, um, feather light. <laughs> so what were the basic supplies you needed starting out? So let's see, what were the basic supplies? I, uh, bottles to fill syrups with. I chose glass because I hated how the plastic looked and I couldn't clean it. Um, those stoppers, the shave ice machine, uh, gloves and a few buckets of ice and a freezer. Okay. So like how big of an investment was that? I think it came to, and not including labor because we, and we, we built the cart ourselves too. So we did, we built everything from scratch. Um, it was, I think it added up into about an $8,000 investment to, to, to sink right off. Yeah. yeah. Which was a bit of a, which was a jump, but we were, I was, we were like, whatever, let's do it. <laughs> um, I had a wonderful friend across the country and I was debating whether I should in, it was the January of that year, whether I should, um, press the order button for the machine, which is the equivalent of like a really nice espresso machine. So it's like 2,500 bucks. And I was like, okay, there's, I'm like, I'm like, Oh man, I don't know. I can't press that button. And she's like, well, just look at it this way. You could resell that machine. I'm like, Oh, thank you. Just hit, hit order. Like, okay, okay. Like little baby steps, like over the course of, I think a year. Yeah. That's a good way of thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. It helps. Um, you got to talk yourself, you got to talk to yourself as if you were talking to your best friend that you want to succeed because hopefully you are your best friend in a sense. And, uh, you just like, that's how I had to think of it about treating myself kindly through this project was I'm like, how would I talk to my absolute most treasured friend? And they were going on their, like going for their dream. Like, how would I speak to her or him? Like, and yeah, it was like every little, every little step, it was every little step required a pep talk. <laughs> did you try crowdfunding? I did actually. Um, How did that work out? Not great. Uh, <laughs> the crowdfunding, I started, so I had the concept in August of 2015 and I started a kick or an Indiegogo in like the November and I did like three weeks. And that was harder than I had ever, that was harder than starting the business, but it was also something that I started to simply keep myself accountable and be like, no, I'm, this was as close to a business plan that I was going to do. So it, it worked out okay. I didn't meet my goal, but, um, everyone that did contribute was, um, really excited for me and continued to follow me and, yeah, and even the little bit of money I did manage to raise still still paid for, you know, a couple of things and a couple of days more. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you could look at it like uh, you're getting paid to market. Yeah. So I guess, like, oh, that's a good way to put, look so. at it. I hadn't even thought about that. <laughs> what, what would you have done differently with it? Oh, so many things. So planned? 
Um, anything, anything. Um, <laughs> I literally, I think I just kind of made it and went. I didn't even email people. Like, yeah, at the same time, like I, I brought a team together to put together a video, which I still have, and it's on my website, and it looks great. It's and, a good video. Yeah, thank you. You've seen it. <laughs> um, and it was, it was a fantastic project because it was a team that I brought together doing something I'm fairly, fairly familiar doing, which is putting together a. Um, you know, putting together a production and um, they were just as invested and they were also eating my shave eyes at the same time. They're like, no, seriously, you got to do this. You say, you got to do this. They wrote a couple of reviews on my Facebook and they're my favorite to read. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was, I mean, it was a great first run. Um, I got a great video out of it and I got a lot of um, experience with it. Um, to make the video, I actually had to call up uh, Brian from the um, the other Shave Ice card I had just I had talked to, and they graciously loaned me their machine. So in the video, it's actually not even my machine; it's their machine that they loaned me. But I ended up getting the same one, so it just oh, it was such a great level of authenticity that was. Um, so I did a lot of really good things right, but I just didn't have the marketing follow through expertise necessarily. And then you're wrapping up your second summer of doing this, yeah? Yeah. Um, what did you change between the first summer and the second summer? Um, farmer's markets. That's what, that was the big change. We didn't get, we didn't have a single, we didn't have a single place to sell other than in front of, um, on 68th and Broadway over here where we still pop up in front of the grass shack. Um, it's a dispensary run by three sisters from Hawaii so they were also big fans of my ice and we didn't get into a farmer's market until the last three weeks of August last year this year we started off with two and those have been absolutely wonderful for building my local base which has been the most important part of my business is building my local people in that kind of traditionally Portland way of like of word of mouth like doing something so well and then just relying on people to tell their friends about it how long was it was starting the business before you were starting to break even in terms of like like covering the cost of supplies and everything oh that's a good question yeah, not necessarily like all the equipment and like the fixed costs yeah like... um actually not too long um we were able to almost every day make enough to open the next day. And for that first summer, there is a lot of days that it was it was kind of singing for your supper. And we were like, oh my God, is this gonna like, is this gonna pan out? And um, my husband was still doing work on the, um, around at the time, as still, he still does, but um, to make ends meet, but uh, we actually, yeah, so we were making costs to get to every single day, and then probably by August, we were starting to actually see some start covering all those sunk costs. So actually, the first summer, we covered quite a bit of it. I think half of our total sunk costs we covered. Shave ice, so there's, I mean, there's still a huge margin on it, um, even like a snow cone you sell for a dollar but they each one I think got used to cost like three cents and 
even mine, I still, I mean, mine goes mostly into my time now is, um, in making it and actually squeezing the lemons and zesting all the, and pitting the cherries and such like that. But still go, I still go out to the farms to get the best, um, farm rates. I have really wonderful business relationships with a couple of farms that have grown into friends and, I often even go and pick the berries myself just so that those costs are even a little bit lower, even if it does cost me a little bit of time. You, you think about time very, very differently when you have to. Oh, God, you have to. <laughs> think about time differently when you start your own business. I believe it. So how do you go about developing ideas for flavors? Because some of them are pretty interesting combinations, like the rhubarb and orange zest. Like, I wouldn't have thought to put those together. Sounds great. Like, once it's... Like, when someone says it, it's like, oh, that could be good. And the rhubarb orange is actually my personal favorite. Um, I start, I always start with a local something. So the local something of rhubarb and orange was definitely rhubarb. It's very much like a northern food, and everyone who lives in a cold and wet environment probably has had it at some point in the spring with strawberries. Um, and the orange, it was just, it was a... Um, I mean, I guess I think about it in almost like colors, if this is going to make any sense. So um, rhubarb is a very tart, warm flavor, or orange is a very citrusy, warm, rounded flavor. I just started pairing warm with warm, or cool cucumber with cool... Like watermelon and, <laughs> watermelon and mint, I think, was one. Yeah, so that was like cool. That was cool and cool. That was in the middle of the summer, and I was like, oh my god, everyone needs refreshment. So we went with, yeah, cool melon and cool mint. I do a lot of research on just pairings, just like what goes with being cherries, and I'll start like looking through lists, and like, yeah, cherry and thyme, I... Honestly, that was a huge risk. I remember doing that first batch. I was like, "Oh my god, is this gonna, is this gonna work? Like, is this gonna just taste like a like a big branch, like in a pile of cherries?" Like, <laughs> I was really worried it was going to um, be over earthy. And then the secondary worry always is, what are the kids gonna think? Because um, they are not only your harshest critic, but they are your biggest consumers because um, I, I did this to start to make a treat that was totally uh, guilt-free of handing over to a parent um, any parent that buys from me I, I'm like you will not hate me <laughs> for a stained blue mouth or a terrible sugar crash I promise so I, I come up with the flavors hype being hyper local hyper seasonal and then something paired with something unique but somewhat familiar maybe just something you haven't had before and then I make sure it's a flavor when you taste it that is just enough like fruity enough like with the cherry and thyme that any kid could go like oh that's still cherry like that's still like I can still eat that and I've had very few kids not like the like the purple basil lemonade occasionally a kid will pick up on it on the herbiness of it and be like no I'm not really feeling that but but uh but it's my favorite when I do get a kid that normally wouldn't choose rhubarb but rhubarb is suddenly this quote safest flavor on my menu so you have like rhubarb and orange plus cherry and thyme and 
I did a watermelon jalapeno for a little while last year. And so, you know, your parents kind of divvy down and, um, yeah, so kind of a combination of what's local, what's seasonal, and how can I make a kid warm up to it. Cool. That's, those are good rules of thumb. Yeah, okay. they work so far. Yeah. <laughs> and trust your farmers. Oh, my goodness. If uh, Udan, who, Udan Farm, um, Claire is the farmer there, and if she's telling me that plums are awesome right now, I'm going to listen to her <laughs> and make a plum no matter what. So, yeah, those four things, I suppose. So what's gone better than expected since starting? Hmm, probably my creative flavor, um, risk-taking. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely better than expected. And overall, the, uh, uh, the word of mouth moving through. I had someone come to me saying they found another shave ice cart that does their own syrups in town, and... They had mentioned it to the guy there, and he's like, oh, yeah. I've, I, and they're like, oh, thanks, but no thanks. We're so simple people or whatever. And he's like, oh, yeah, I've heard of her. She's got a good rap. And I'm like, are you telling me other business owners here are, have heard about me? Like, that was that blew my mind. Like, that was because all I think about is, like, hoping that, like, maybe a parent has heard about me. And they're like, oh, I needed to come because my kid has this or can't have this or I don't want to give them this. And I came and sought you out like that had been working really well and then I started hearing that other people that other businesses heard about me and that was really that was an unexpected perk <laughs> so I mean how many events do you typically attend like on average in a week in a week so far we're at four a week um, and that includes two farmers markets uh, usually one music or mu uh, concert or movie in the park and uh, one pop-up location and then so far that seems to have struck a pretty good balance right now it is a two-person show and um, half that uh, force sometimes is diverted to other work so um, so far four times a week and then one day a week is dedicated to sourcing and cooking and then one day a week is dedicated to um, like inventory and um, doing the accounts and such like that. So we've, and then we try to keep one day a week where we just like, okay, nobody think about business. <laughs> like we can't think about business. So we have to have a rest day. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was interesting. And there was like a really interesting podcast I listened to, a guy who wrote like a peak performance book. Uh -huh. And he was talking about like how the recipe for like long term like growth and progress is like, like to do some work. And then like rest and you need to have like that really good quality rest for like your work to really start paying off mm-hmm oh um, yeah oh man is that true because yeah you get burned out and you start to hate what you do and that's I think I've been very like I tend to think of myself as not working as hard as I ever could and I think that's probably it's it plagues every entrepreneur's brain is you know what what work am I not doing yeah, um <laughs> I totally like have that feeling even with like the podcast oh yeah it was like it's like I surely I could be working harder than this like people put in longer days and suffer more but at the same time I'm like well if I burn out I not only run the risk of harming myself but also harming my passion for the subject and what good would that do anyone <laughs> yeah you want to like 
have some enthusiasm probably when you're tending the cart and everything. Yeah, I want as much enthusiasm for my product as everyone is bringing to me. I need to I need to meet my my audience and my customers at that middle point. So I can't be burned out either. <laughs> what are some of the things that appeal to you most about working for yourself? Oh man, I I am such a Jill of many trades and master of none. And I work really hard, um, but I never know what time of day I'm going to be working hard. So the flexible schedule, um, the ability to walk away when I need to, not when the clock says I can. Um, I know a lot of I know a lot of people that work for themselves do keep a schedule and do keep a clock, um, and I do for the most part for myself. I keep you know certain days I'm doing certain things, and certain days I have to do certain tasks, but. If I need to, if I need to rest through a morning, or if I need to take care of my home through a morning, um, I can do that. If I need to walk away and go make food for myself, I can do that. But also, I can work in my, within my own process, which is very, very touch and go. I kind of work on something, and then I get distracted and walk away for a little while. I have to chew it over. I have to think about it, and then I come work on back on it in a very classically kind of classic artist style um it's like give me a deadline but don't tell me how to don't don't ask me to structure it like the deadline will be met but oh god don't ask me to give you a schedule of how I'm gonna get it done (laughs) well you could almost word for word be describing my own work style it's (laughs) were you an artist of such in high school I I guess that's what I I probably put the most time in just like playing trumpet Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that probably was a big part of, like, why, what about yourself? Oh, yeah, I was always in the art room. Always. I was a paint, I did a lot of watercolor and painting, and, um, and when I wasn't working on something, I was probably helping someone else do, um, their own artwork, um, but, oh, yeah, no, always, always making or doing something, but, you know, it's, the process was quirky. Yeah. <laughs> And you have to do a lot of thinking when you when you work for yourself. That's part of the clockwork. <laughs> so, how do you deal with the seasonality of your business? Um, it was the seasonality actually came about as a response to other seasonal work. Um, my husband is in theater, and typically that runs fall through spring. I myself have also been um, more of a um, I've always been a barista, so that is a lot of a lot of coffee jobs I can always run back to in the winter. But I'm also finding I'm also finding work now in theater. So the seasonality actually is really beneficial, both in terms of one. Again, I have something of a distracted mind, and I can't do this all year round yet. Um, I that's I kind of go all out in the summer. And I really enjoy it, and I really like work hard at it. But I need to take the break at this point, and I need to step away from it. So it's beneficial in that sense, and it's also beneficial in that, um, like I'm I'm in a very equal partnership, and he and Nate, my husband, supports me. I mean, he's the other half of the this business of my shave ice business, and in the other half of that season. I'm doing something to support him as he goes and does his business, which is theater work and that freelancing. So the seasonality is really more of a, um, 
making the most of my partnership and that we both have dreams that are very, very different and they both need our, um, um, our other person's support when we go at it, but they're both seasonal. So, um, but I, I, I suppose I'm kind of a seasonal person anyway. So I kind of close down in the winter and I rest speaking of rest. So have you thought about like going into other areas that are, I mean, you mentioned like cocktails with like selling syrups, like either like bars or, uh, you made a comment about like waffle. They're great on, it's great syrup on waffles and have you thought about selling it, um, in like kind of off season, those kinds of places? Yeah, I have. Um, I have thought about that. And actually we were working on something this year, uh, called simple pops and, um, I don't know if you're familiar with like otter pops, oh, like yeah. freezer pops. And we were making those out of, um, syrups. Um, cause for a little while in June, you would have a little, you know, we'd have a little leftover. June is quite rainy here, so it doesn't pick up quite until July. And we were making that and those and they were selling so fast. Um, so we may do those into the winter and just kind of play with the idea of pops or popsicles or paletas or something of that nature. Um, and I'm certainly going to be open to doing events. Um, if people want that of me, I am sure I could spin it for around Christmas time. It's a snowy treat and I can do seasonal flavors like cranberry and pomegranate and, um, juniper with, um, all kinds of stuff and, um, and citruses and uh, yeah, don't get me started on that. But, uh, so I think uh, last year I needed to take a break. I needed to really evaluate what I wanted of the business, what I wanted to change. And then this year I will be reevaluating what I want to do off season, but also, I mean, I want to, but there's so many ways to do it. And it's, you know, you have to figure out how to grow is the kind of the big thought is like, how do I want to grow and what's the end result? So we've thought about it or I've thought about it, but there's a lot to, uh, to think about just in making sure that the shave ice side of it does still does well and still continues to grow. Okay. Yeah. So what do you see in the future of your business? Oh, uh, we've been talking about that a lot and <laughs> definitely for the future. I do really want a brick and mortar somewhere for people to come and find me. I need a kitchen and I need the space and I can take up that space. But a kitchen, a window to sell out of, and then a trailer eventually to start touring and actually do some pop-ups like month to month, maybe in California and New Mexico and um, work our way up into the season and go as far as um, north as we can. Um, we're a little, I'm a little addicted to touring around now. So now that's my next thought is how can I like really take this places once I, um, once I build a foundation. Uh, where can people find you in your business? Um, on so simple shaveice.com. And I'm also on Facebook, um, Instagram and Twitter. So all of the platforms. And oh, and at my actual business, <laughs> um, all of my schedule is on my website. Um, my updates are on all my social media. But Cully Farmers Market and Woodlawn Farmers Market in Portland are our most reliable. And Music on the Green in Sherwood, if anyone Sorry. is that far down. Yeah, actually, probably most of the listeners are from Sherwood. Oh, really? Yeah, I'll see. Oh, dang. Maybe we could get people sent over. And what are three resources that you could share with people? Stuff that could be like book recommendations or like 
things that you found really useful to learn from? Book recommendation, $100 Startup by Chris, I think it's Gilborough. Um, that book kind of changed my whole thought process on how I wanted to start a business. And I rec and I, I think I gave it to both my siblings that graduated high school and I've given it to so many people since reading that. Just start doing research. There's so much out info out there that there's no excuse anymore to not find an edge. Like just know, know your product and know your audience and understand what you're creating. Well, yeah, thanks for your time. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thanks again, Bailey, for taking the time. You can find her business, So Simple Shave Ice, at SoSimpleShaveIce.com and on Facebook under So Simple Shave Ice. You can find a schedule of events at either place. Also, for the rest of the season, she's offering $1 off to podcast listeners. Just be sure to mention the code word rhubarb. You can find her and her business on Wednesdays at Music on the Green in Sherwood, Thursdays at the Coley Farmer's Market, Fridays at 6800 Northeast Broadway in Portland, and Saturdays at the Woodlawn Farmer's Market. Odds are, if you're a listener of this podcast, you're probably pretty close to one of those locations. So I encourage you to check them out. They're currently serving purple basil lemonade, watermelon mint, blackberry, and golden plum. Music for this podcast is by Cambrian Explosion, whose singer and guitar player, Nori Lockhart, once punched an Imperial Star Destroyer in half. You can find their music and relive the recent total solar eclipse with their albums The Sun and The Moon. Uh, yeah, and by the way, Solar Eclipse was amazing. Like it, it was amazing when it was just a sliver of sun still visible, and then and then it went total solar eclipse, and it just ah oh man, I I don't yeah, I can't even really capture that with words. It's just incredible and like surprisingly emotional. Like it's just, I feel kind of like realize like how vulnerable we are, like dependent on the sun, and you can see the sunset, and just wow. Anyway, uh, find them at cepdx.bandcamp.com and on Apple iTunes and Spotify. You can find more episodes of this podcast at nicholaspill.com or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find information about upcoming episodes at Why Try Podcast on Facebook. And you can also try the Why Try Podcast focus group and get more involved in the podcast and help others discover Why Try. Thanks for listening.